0: Introducing the podcast that nobody asked for, GXO, and that stands for Generation Extraordinary. We focus on everything that's relevant to the greatest generation ever, Generation X. So if it happened between 1960 through 1999, it's fair game. We discuss crime, movie, music, TV, books, history. If it has to do with Generation X, believe me, we're going to discuss it. Feel free to contact us on our website at www.genxord.com That's spelled G-E-N, letter X-O-R-D dot com. and shoot us an email if you have comments or about the show, or if you have a topic you'd like to suggest. MXT stands for Men Excel Together. This is a men's group getting together on Zoom in a safe, non-judgmental environment to talk about the parts of our lives that we feel we need support in by learning from other men. We are not licensed mental health professionals. Our group is designed as a support and mentoring group only. Any man 18 years or older is welcome to join. Meetings take place on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Zoom link and contact info is on the website, www.menexceltogether.com. For complete rules and disclaimers, please visit our website.
1: Due to the extreme nature of this program, listeners' discretion is advised. The subject matters may include topics of substance usage, sex, foul language, and references to historical events that may be sensitive to some listeners. Things discussed may not be considered politically correct in this overly sensitive environment. They may not be appropriate for listeners under the age of 13. As well as some listeners, no matter the age, may find things offensive. Again, listener discretion is advised. Don't say, we didn't warn you. On November
0: 13th, Robert Popp was asked to remove himself from his place of residence. That request came from his wife. Deep down, he knew she was right. But he also knew that someday, he would return to her. With nowhere else to go, he appeared at the home of his friend Mark Pavlik. Some years earlier, Pavlik's wife had thrown him out, requesting that he never return.
1: Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy?
0: Greetings and salutations, and welcome to GXO, another episode of Generation Extraordinary, the podcast nobody asked for, focusing on everything pop culture from the greatest generation ever, Generation X. So if it happened between 1960 and 1999, we're going to discuss it like movies, music, TV, and even a bit of history from that year. Who knows, you may just learn something before it's done, and if you're lucky, this old man may just regale you with a story or two from his own life and experiences. I'm Robert Pop, your host, coming to you from beautiful Podunk, Nebraska. This is a song about corn nuts and intensely crunchy snack. It's not about anything else.
1: I'll go to your room! And lock the door Cause when you try it once you want to try it some more Size doesn't matter And that's a fact It might be small But it's a big impact Whoa! Bust a nut Bust a nut Grab a bag of corn nuts And bust a nut They're lightly toasted And hard as hell Enjoy yourself We won't tell Everybody does it They like it a lot You can do it in school Just don't get caught, don't get caught. It takes a few minutes If you don't do Take your time, make it last all day Bust a nut, bust a nut Grab a bag of corn nuts and bust a nut They're lightly toasted and hard as hell Enjoy yourself, we won't tell
0: Corn nuts, an intensely crunchy corn snack Comes in seven nut-busting flavors Welcome back to another episode of GXO, Generation Extraordinary, the podcast nobody asked for. Today, we are headed back to, shortly after I was born, uh, to March 16th, 1969. I know that makes me a serious old fart. So, as always, we're going to do our history lesson first. So, in 1969, our top headlines uh, and the leaders of the world, we had U.S. President Nixon... The Prime Minister was Harold Wilson. Pope John Paul VI was leading the Catholic Church. Something that just happened that year that was, I don't know, just kind of a little thing. Man set foot on the moon for the first time. That was Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. United States Air Force closed Project Blue Book stating there are no UFOs draft lottery goes into effect and if you're not familiar with that that was just kind of a random number of polling guys to send them to vietnam pbs was established and sesame street was actually one of the first shows that was ever on there it's still going strong after all these years uh granted they've added a lot more uh annoying characters uh such as elmo god i just would rather slam my fingers in a door than ever have anything to do with elmo but my favorite Actually, I have a few favorites. Is Kermit the Frog, and I do a really poor uh, impersonation. So here it is. You might as well get it out of the way. Hi ho, Kermit the Frog here. So there you go. That's uh, that's that's my embarrassing moment for this five minutes. Uh, Pant, the predecessor to the internet. Uh, was actually rolled out. And the first communication between UCLA and Stanford happened. So all of you Gen Xers that, like me, that comes as a surprise. Because honestly, I thought Al Gore, uh, with his claims that he invented the Internet, that I already knew that was bullshit. The United Kingdom abolished the death penalty. Stonewall riot in New York City marked the beginnings of the gay rights movement. One of the elite families that will never, ever, 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 ever be prosecuted for anything. The Kennedys. Senator Edward Kennedy pleaded guilty to leaving the scene of a fatal accident in Chappaquiddick, Massachusetts on July 18th, in which Mary Jo Kopcheny, and I know I butchered that and I'm sorry, was drowned. He got a two-month suspended sentence because of his name. I think he should have spent the rest of his life in prison because, quite frankly, what he did was bullshit. And if you're not familiar with that, look it up. Russian and Chinese troops clash along the Yursuri River. 27-year-old Colonel Momar Gaddafi deposes King Idris of Libya and establishes a pro-Arabic anti-Western Islamic Republic we had problems with him in the 80s with the line in the sand we'll talk about that one day in august there was more than a half a million people to gather in this little small upstate new york town of bethel you guys may be more aware of it as woodstock for four days of rain there was sex drugs and rock and roll performers included janice joplin not a big fan uh jimmy hendrix am a big fan, The Who, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, Jefferson Airplane, Sly and the Family Stone, another artist that I'm not a fan of, Joan Baez, so, but they were all there. Tragedy followed the Rolling Stones, a fan was killed at the, at the group's Altamont, California concert by a member of the Hell's Angels. The FCC said no more cigarette advertising on television and radio. And I know that had to put the end to all of the radio uh, commercials and everything because if you go back and listen to old-time radio, it is going to just be covered with, uh, with cigarette ads. The use of DDT is banned in residential areas, which really surprised me that it was in 69 because I remember playing in the cloud of DDT as they would fog for mosquitoes in my little podunk town I grew up in. Some of the notable deaths that year, Dwight D. Eisenhower, he passed away. Joseph Kennedy, he passed away, probably from embarrassment from Edward. And Jack Kerouac, Uh, In Music, the top five songs in the U.S. Dizzy by Tommy Rowe. Proud Mary by Creedence Clearwater Revival, CCR. Everyday People by Sly and the Family Stone. Build Me Up Buttercup by The Foundations traces by classic four top songs in the UK. Where do you go to my lovely by Peter Sarsete. I'm sorry. I know I butchered that Marvin Gay with, I heard it through the grapevine, Dean Martin, gently on my mind, Cecilia black, surround yourself with sorrow, Engelbert Humperdinck, the way it used to be. Top 5 songs in the R&B charts: James Brown, Hardest Working Man in Show Business, The Godfather of Soul, Love Them, Love Love Him. Give It Up or Turn It Loose. The Temptations, Run Away Child, Running Wild. My Whole World Ended The Moment You Left Me by David Ruffin. There'll Come a Time by Betty Everett. And Baby Baby Don't Cry by Smokey Robinson and The Miracles. And finally on the country music chart, The top five songs were I'm So Afraid of Losing You Again by Charlie Pride. Got to see him in concert. God, he did a good concert. A Week in the County Jail by Tom T. Hall. Saw him in concert. A World Called You by David Rogers. I don't remember ever even hearing that song. April's Fool by Ray Price. Saw him in concert. And Baby Baby. I Know You're a Lady by David Houston. On the crime beat. We had some we had some serial killers that were in there. They, they were out there doing some damage. Ed Kemper. As I've mentioned before, I'm very fascinated with Ed. Well, I will be doing a podcast. But with any of my serial killer podcasts, I do invite you to follow the link uh, on our webpage over to uh, Serial Killing the Podcast or A Podcast by Alicia Carroll. Uh, Richard Cottingham, the torso killer, and Zodiac, he's still at large. Still have never figured that out, but if you guys listen to my D.B. Cooper, you kind of see where my my thought process goes. Movies, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. That was a Bond movie, but it wasn't the real Bond. I think we all agree that that James Bond is Sean Connery. This was George Lasby. And he just sucked. I mean, there's just no way around it. He almost sucked as bad as Timothy Dalton. Almost. Not quite. Midnight Cowboy. Butch and Sundance. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yes, they were out there. Easy Rider was another one that was hitting big in the box office. My Man. John Wayne. True Grit. The Wild Bunch. Paint Your Wagon. Hello Dolly with Barbara Streisand. Pippi Longstocking. Support your local sheriff with James Garner. And, as I've said before, I have I realize that I am Charlie Brown. This is a boy named Charlie Brown. Does, if you ever just paint a, a goatee on Charlie Brown, it's, it's basically me. A bowling ball with ears. On TV, we had the Brady Bunch. Ugh. And I'm gonna do a show Brady's versus the partridge. I am such a partridge. I cannot stand the Brady's. I appreciate what they contributed, but ugh. Sesame Street. I already mentioned that. Night Gallery. Scooby Doo, where are you? like Scoob. Oh, that's really bad. I should never do that ever again. Monty Python's Flying Circus. The Benny Hill Show, and I'm going to do a show here on the Benny Hill uh, Show here, not too far out in the future. Um, So you may hear some of the same history stuff. So just a warning. That's one of my producers trying to keep me safe. So um, I'm sure that there was probably a very scary squirrel or something out in the yard. Hee Haw was on Marcus Welby, M.D., Probably one of the creepiest kids' shows ever. And the Croft Brothers had to be just absolutely stoned on LSD when they did this. HR Puffin' Stuff. Now, it's a fond memory for me, but it's also a terrifying memory for me. Because Witchy Poo was played by a guy. And scary as fuck. That's all there is to it. There's no other way to put that. The Pink Panther... The Bill Cosby Show, before he was roofing everybody. Sabrina the Teen Witch, that was the Archie spinoff cartoon. And The Ant and the Aardvark. On Broadway, two of the biggest hits were uh, Oklahoma and my topic for today, 1776. And it opened at the uh, 46th Street Theater in New York City for, get this, 1,217 performances before it shut down, and then it has been brought back in revival form for so long. And so I'm going to be talking about that today. So if you would, hang around, listen through some of my fake sponsors. Maybe it'll encourage you to, I don't know, go out and buy something. Maybe not. Who knows? But uh, stick around. Whenever I feel like a sweaty slob, there's only one assurance that gives me peace of mind. And that's sledgehammer deodorant. I just go in to sprucing up like an airplane, wipe under each wing once, and hit the tail, and I'm good to go for days. Hell, I don't even need to take a shower for a whole week. That's how good this shit is. Sledgehammer deodorant. That's how good this shit is.
1: By no one. The views and opinions expressed are just that, Rob's views and opinions. He's not always politically correct, and those views may not match up with your own. Please believe me, it is not his intention to offend anyone. Hopefully you find the shows entertaining and informative as well. Please note, Rob is not a professional historian, but he has done a lot of research for this show. With that being said, mistakes happen, but he will do his best to minimize those. Keep in mind, he's just some nut with a microphone.
0: Alright, so welcome back. We're going to talk about 1776, the musical today. Um, it's a show that's based on the events leading up to the signing of the Declaration of Independence telling a story of the efforts of John Adams to persuade his colleagues to vote for American independence and to sign the document now again I must say that there is a disclaimer on this that 1776 is a very poor representation of the actual events it is for entertainment purposes only However, there are some historical accuracies. There's more inaccuracies than there are accurate. So I hope that lays that out for you. So the show premiered on Broadway in 1969. The minute you heard Sit Down, John, you knew what the whole show was going to be about and knew immediately that John Adams was not going to be treated as a god. On May 8, 1776, in Philadelphia, the Second Continental Congress proceeds with its business. John Adams, who is widely disliked from Massachusetts, is frustrated because Congress will not even debate his proposals on independence. The other delegates, preoccupied by the rising heat, implore him to sit down, John. Adam denounces the do-nothing Congress with the song Piddle, Twiddle, and Resolve, and then reads the latest then reads the latest wife to his loving wife Abigail who speaks to him through his imagination with the song till then later that day Adams meets delegate Benjamin Franklin who suggests that because Adams is unpopular and disliked another delegate must propose on the resolution of independence Richard Henry Lee of Virginia enters Having been earlier invited by Franklin, Adams and Franklin try to pursue Lee to ask the Virginia House of Burgesses to authorize a pro-independence resolution. And that is the song in the play, The Lees of Old Virginia. And yes, you do recognize that because he is a relative of the uh, great general Lee who gets a bad rap because he was on the side of the Confederacy, and it was only because he was from Virginia. He actually was in favor of keeping the Union together. That's a whole nother thing, and that's way outside of our realm. So I won't get on that soapbox. Not today. Shortly thereafter, Richard Henry Lee returns, bearing the resolution for independence, elated, Adams seconds the motion to open debate on the resolution. John Dickinson of Pennsylvania, a conservative and royal apologist, immediately moves to table the debate. The vote is close, but the debate ultimately is approved, prompting Dickinson to denounce the desire for independence as overreaction to petty squabbles with Great Britain. Looking for a way to save the independence movement, Adams proposes to adjourn the vote for about three weeks to allow the creation of a formal, I don't know, some type of document called a Declaration of Independence. Before they adjourn, John Hancock uh, appoints a committee of Adams, Franklin, Roger Sherman of Connecticut and Robert Livingston of New York. And then of course Thomas Jefferson, to draft the declaration. The five argue about who should write the declaration. But Mr. Adams is the song. Love that song. Deciding on a reluctant Jefferson. A week later, Adams and Franklin visit Jefferson, who has spent the week moping because because Jefferson wanted to spend time with his wife. But he did not know that Adams sent for Martha. She enters and Adams and Franklin leave the young lovers in peace. Adams, again, alone, exchanges letters with his wife, Abigail, with the song, Yours, Yours, Yours. The next morning, Franklin and Adams ask Martha how deeply intellectual Jefferson wooed her. She comes back with the song, He Plays the Violin. Beautiful song. Absolutely beautiful. And it's sexy. That's the thing. If you, if you, if you keep it in that context... It is, it is a very sexy song. Jefferson is outside the chamber while Mr. Thompson reads the declaration to the Congress. Adams and Franklin arrive delighted. They congratulate Jefferson on his work, and Franklin compares the creation of this new country to a hatchling of a bird, the egg. That is another great song. They debate which bird would be the best to represent America. As we've all learned from our history books, Franklin thought that our national bird should be the turkey. Jefferson suggested a dove, but Adams insists on the eagle. The others resign themselves to that choice. On June 28th, Hancock asks if there's any alterations to be offered to the Declaration of Independence. Many delegates voice their suggestions. It is now July 2nd. Hancock calls for the vote on the Lee Resolution. In the book of the musical. Peter Stone referred to this famous painting by Edward Savage and Robert Edge Pine. I know you've all seen it where they're all standing around uh, for the final pose and it was so inaccurate. So inaccurate because, and I'll go into that here after a bit, Uh, but that is one that will stick out to you because that's there for the final moment. On the evening of July 4th, McNair who is one of the uh, attendants in Congress, rings the Liberty Bell in the background as Thompson calls each delegate to sign the declaration. The delegates freeze in the position as the Liberty Bell rings to a fevered pitch, and the pose that they are is what that pose is in that painting. It's really cool, though, that the original cast, John Adams, played by William Daniels, he was on Saint Elsewhere as Dr. Craig, but probably two of the more notable characters that, uh, that we are all familiar with. He was the voice of Kit on Knight Rider, such a distinct voice. And he was Mr. Feeney on Boy Meets World. Ben Franklin, played by Howard Da Silva, and he was a big uh, actor for a lot of radio stuff. Um, and then Thomas Jefferson played by Ken Howard. Now I know you probably aren't going to recognize Ken Howard because he was very trim, slim, good looking back in those days. But I will tell you this, as he got kind of more fat and dumpy, if you pull up his picture, you're going to recognize him. He like, kind of looked like the ghetto version of the professor from Gilligan's Island. Um, but here's the cool thing. All three of these main actors that were on the Broadway play also were in the movie. And so, and also involved in the recording of the soundtrack. In the revival, and I didn't go through all of the different uh, revival actors, but the one that stuck out to me was Mr. Data from The Next Generation in 1997. Brent Spiner played John Adams. According to the Columbia Companion to American History on Film, Historical inaccuracies prevail in 1776, though few are very troubling. That's what they said. Because Congress was held in secrecy, there was really no contemporary records on the debate over the Declaration, because the authors, um, the, the, the delegates, they had to be careful, because they could have been held in treason. That's how serious this was. The authors, The authors of the play we were able to have creative carte blanche, if you will. The central departure from history is that the separation from Great Britain was accomplished in two steps. The actual vote came for it on July 2nd with the approval of Lee's resolution. um, And then the wording was hammered out uh, to be a statement to the world as the reasons of necessitating the split was then debated for three days before being approved on July the 4th. This was not the case. I'm not going to give you guys a huge history lesson on that, but I am going to say that the vote vote didn't hinge on some passages being removed for the Declaration, as implied by the play. Since Congress had already voted in favor of independence before debating the Declaration, but for the sake of the drama, the play's authors combined the two events. In addition, some historians believe that the Declaration was not actually signed on July the 4th, but instead was signed on August the 2nd. The authors of 1776 had the delegates sign the Declaration on July 4th for dramatic reasons. Many characters in 1776 differ from their historical counterparts. Central to the drama is the depiction of John Adams being obnoxious and disliked. But according to biographer David McMulley, Adams was one of the most respected members of Congress in 1776. Adams often quoted the description of himself in Congress as being obnoxious, suspected, and unpopular. So I can relate with that because you know, I have a problem with my own self-image. So he, he did too. I guess I put myself in good company if I'm in there with John Adams. According to McCullough, no delegate described Adams as obnoxious in 1776. Historian Gary Wills earlier made a similar argument, writing that historians relay of John Adams' memories without sufficient skepticism, and that it was John Dickinson, not Adams, who was advocated by being an unpopular position. For practical and dramatic purposes, the play does not depict all of the more than 50 members of Congress who were present at the time. The John Adams of the play, in part, is a composite character combining the real John Adams with his cousin Sam Adams. And I can appreciate that. My my cousin, little little side note here, my cousin um, he went to Boston with his family and Snapchatted or put it on Facebook that he was in one of the bars and looking out over this graveyard that he was enjoying a cold Sam Adams looking at a cold Sam Adams. My cousin's hilarious. Um, contrary to what was portrayed in the play and the film, disliked they, de- they most people disliked Benjamin Franklin. And also, Martha Jefferson, she never went to Philadelphia to be with her husband. In fact, she was extremely ill during the summer of 1776, having just endured a miscarriage. Thomas Jefferson is depicted as saying that he has resolved to free his slaves. That's something he did not do, except for a few slaves that he freed after his death in 50 years later. Franklin claims that he is the founder of the abolitionist organization. But the real Franklin did not become an active abolitionist until after the American Revolution and uh, became president of the Pennsylvania Abolition Society in 1785. In both the play and the film, John Adams sarcastically predicts that Benjamin Franklin will receive from posterity too great a share of the credit for the revolution. Quote, Franklin smote the ground and outsprang George Washington, fully grown and on his horse. Franklin then electrified them both with his magnificent lightning rod, and all three of them, Franklin, Washington, and the horse, conducted the entire revolution all by themselves. End quote. Adams did make a similar comment about Franklin in 1790, just after Franklin's death, although the mention of the horse was a humorous twist added by the authors of the musical. In 1972, the film version was produced by Jack Warner. This is the one I am probably most familiar with because I have never been able to find a recording of the Broadway, the the original Broadway play. As I mentioned earlier, the film features William Daniels as Adams, Ken Howard as Jefferson, and Howard De Silva as Franklin. But some of the additional names on that were John Colum as Edward Rutledge, Ron Holgate as Richard Henry Lee, and Virginia Vestoff as Abigail Adams, all whom had performed their roles on Broadway. If you aren't sure who Virginia Vestoff is, just look her up. You're going to recognize her, even if the name doesn't sound familiar. The supporting cast was mostly recruited from broad from the Broadway production. The principal exceptions were Donald Madden and Blythe Danner. Oh, Blythe Danner. Wow. She, amazing voice. Pretty woman. She just held herself in the film just beautifully as Martha Jefferson. Music from the play and the film. Uh, Sit Down, John. I mentioned that. That was performed by Adams in the Congress. Piddle, Twiddle, and Resolve that was from Adams. The Egg, Franklin, Adams, and Jefferson sang that. The Lees of Old Virginia, that would be Richard Henry Lee, uh, Franklin, and Adams. But Mr. Adams, that is Adams, Franklin, Jefferson, Sherman, and Livingston. Yours, 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 by Adams and Abigail. And He Plays the Violin. Those are just a few of my favorites. So when we come back from our Next break, um, I'm going to tell you what my connection is with 1776 and what it really means to me. So stick around. Hi, I'm Willie Shart. You may know me from hit comedies such as Pals, The Workplace, and 1422 Sycamore, where I always play the guy in the background who waves and holds a cup of coffee. But today I want to talk to you about something serious. It's something that's destroying our homes from the inside out. No, I'm not talking about termites or even black mold. Although it's just as serious, if not more. It's your grown-ass millennial kids who are still living at home and sponging off of you because you're letting them. These mooches are the leading cause of divorce in Gen Xers. Because inevitably, one parent wants them gone while the other keeps giving in. It's time for some tough love. And here's some helpful tips. Set a time frame for them to move out. Make them pay rent, but a real rent, like what an apartment in your area with utilities pays charge. Because that's what you are. None of this 100 bucks a month bullshit. And make them pay for groceries. If they don't want to do it willingly, then the next time you go to the store, ask them to go with you. And at the check stand, claim to have forgotten your wallet. A millennial hates to be embarrassed, especially by their parent, so nine times out of ten, they will cough up the dough. It's going to be tough. And your grown child may throw a fit like they did when they were five, when they were in Walmart and did not get their toy. But stay strong. It's hard to hear, but in reality, you created this mess. Now it's time for you to fix it. It's time to show those little bastards it's no more generation me. If we start making their living conditions as shitty as our parents did for us, they won't be able to move out fast enough. I'm Willie Short, and remember, I'm pulling for you because I've been there myself.
1: Any claims of time travel is purely fictitious and should not be believed as these claims are only for entertainment purposes. Plus, honestly, if you believe these claims, we only have one thing to say. What the hell is wrong with you?
0: All right, thanks for... Sticking around and welcome back from that break hopefully you enjoyed a few more of my fake sponsors so this is this is one of my favorite musical movies um and i have quite a quite a variety of favorites i really do you guys are always going to figure that out Uh, i'm very eclectic Um, but i was first introduced to 1776 via the movie and if i remember right it was in the year 1776 because that was a big deal the bicentennial so you know almost every i'm sure it was probably abc because of being the american broadcasting system, uh, company uh that they were probably the ones that had the rights to that um so i remember seeing it on television could have even been on pbs but i was captivated by it and then when i later found out that william daniels was the voice of kit and Saint Elsewhere, as Dr. Craig, made me want to go back and rewatch it, because I just think he's an amazing, an amazing actor. Um, actually, and you may not know this, the lady who played his wife on Saint Elsewhere is his real life wife. Uh, they just had a a uh, an article about their oh, what is it, 40, 50 year open marriage. And how that uh, really played a part during the beginnings of both their career. Interesting read. I don't necessarily agree with that because, you know, um, yeah, I don't, I don't play well with others. So, um, even though I'm a student of history and a purist at heart, I still really enjoy this film. And you can find it on Amazon Prime. Um, you know, two or three times a year I'll watch it with all the historical inaccuracies. And I, and I go into it with that knowledge. Now, typically, I'll usually watch it around the patriotic holidays, July 4th, Memorial Day. It just, it just has a sense of patriotism. I truly feel that that patriotism today is lacking. Um, you know, with the left versus the right, the right versus the left, the media stirring the shit pot with a spoon the size of a boat paddle. You know, if they would just all just stay out of it and let everybody just kind of do their thing. I think that, uh, that we'd be in much better shape. That's personal opinion. As my disclaimer says, the views and opinions are Rob's and Rob's alone. My fear, and this is a very sincere fear. The last time I saw my country get together, uh, excuse me. My fear is the last time the country felt this way to me was right before the events that took place at 9 11. And that was an act of not only terrorism, but cowardice that the only good that came from that was it did bring the country together. And, and, and even though it wasn't long enough, it did, it brought us together as, as human beings, as Americans, we didn't see the color of our neighbor's skin. We didn't try to envy what was his and not ours um the country felt better even though it was on it was in the wake of a horrible horrible tragedy and i sincerely pray that that is not what it's going to come down to again but i fear that it may if you like musicals and you've never watched 1776 by the way thank you for letting me get on my soapbox course it's you know, my podcast and I'm a nut with a microphone. So that's <laughs> kind of me anyway. Uh, if you like musicals and you've never seen this, please seek it out. I really think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, right now it's playing on Amazon prime. Um, and again, I really believe that, uh, that it's, it's one of the best musicals that's out there. I want to leave you with this thought. And this comes from Charles M Russell in Montana in 1926. And it really kind of resonates with with my thought of our the, the shape of our government and and our country right now. Guard, protect, and cherish your land, for there is no afterlife for a place that started out as heaven. I want to thank you again for stopping by this episode of Gxo. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. And as always, um, you know we'll see you, we'll see you next time. This concludes another episode of GXO, Generation Extraordinary. I really want to thank you for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed the program. And if you did, tell a friend and please hit that subscribe and share button. And if you want to make a comment or suggest a topic, I invite you to check out my website at www.genxord.com. And I promise I will personally respond. Once again, thanks, and we'll see you next time. This has been Generation Extraordinary. The views and opinions are mine and mine alone. Claims of Time Travel is purely fictional. The music and audio clips are not mine, and in most cases were downloaded from my paid YouTube subscription and are only used for entertainment purposes. This podcast is a production of Popeye Enterprises. Its host, creator, and producer is Robert Pop. Co-producers are Daisy Pop and Harley Quinn Pop, and special guest voice actress Ariel Pop. For more information about the staff, go to the website at www.genxord.com. Thanks for listening.